You might remember I preached a sermon on the overcoming, on, on overcoming, and I had emailed uh, the Grace Evangelical Society, Society about what they said about who was an overcomer, where they say, well, it's just victorious Christians are overcomers. So finally, Bob Wilkin emailed me back because I asked him because again they had another blog entry that mentioned it. So I sent in one. I tried to make it simple this time because maybe if I send a long thing. They don't really read it, but I sent him one question in there. So Bob Wilkin wrote me back, and he said he wrote me a, spe a special blog entry just for, to answer my question. So I'm going to read his answer to what they believe. So let me just go back to what uh, what I believe, which is in First John chapter five. Yeah, here it is. First John chapter five. Verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So it's saying there, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you're the overcomer. So so they don't agree with that. They don't agree with that. They I think that Revelation is, is actually it's a different type of overcoming. It's living a victorious life. So now let me get to his answer. Because it's called the overcomer won't be hurt by the second death, Revelation 2.11. So it's about, because I asked him about Revelation 2.11, which is the verse they kept skipping over all the time. They, they wouldn't cover this verse. So I said, I want to hear your, so I, I said, here's my question. The problem with this logic is that Revelation 2.11 does not make sense if only victorious Christians are overcomers. I need you to address this verse specifically. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And I gave him the New King James translation of it because that, that's what they use, right? Just, you know, because ours says, He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. It's pretty much the same anyway. So I said, are you suggesting that only victorious Christians who endure in good works will escape the second death? So, that, so Bob Wilkins answered, he said, I recently wrote a blog on the New Testament concept of overcomers. That blog led to this question, which is my question I just read out. It says, actually, so his answer, actually, several of the seven letters of Revelation 2 to 3 have puzzling statements that can be wrongly interpreted to mean the non-overcomers will be eternally condemned. And then he has, see this blog, I'm not going to read that blog, but Revelation 2.11 is one such verse. But it doesn't really imply that non-overcomers will be eternally condemned. He says, what the Lord says is that the overcomers won't be hurt by the second death. This is clearly understatement. The overcomers will be greatly rewarded. Every believer knows that overcomers won't be eternally condemned. John 3.16 and 5.24 make that clear. So does Revelation 20. So John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So and then John 5.24 is also a good verse. Um, John 5:24. he's quoting, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So it tells you, you, you know, if you believe you cannot be eternally condemned, you won't be condemned, right? So and then Revelation 20:15, he's quoting as well for evidence of that. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So he's, because you're, you're in the book of life if you believed, right? So he says, one key to Bible study is to carefully consider the context. Verse 11 is the end of the second letter. So the following verses are no help. So the end, so yeah, he's right. So that's the end of the letter to the, so Revelation 2.11 is the end of the, of the letter and then it starts to the church in Pergamos there. So 11 there. It is the end of that letter. Okay. So the following verses are no help since they are part of another letter. That's fine. I don't, I don't say that they are. But the preceding verses can help us understand verse 11. In particular, note verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So it says, so he says now, the crown of life here is fullness of life and the life to come. It is a reward. I agree with that. That's a, it's clearly a reward. Gaining the crown of life in verse 10, is because it does mention, uh, be thou faithful unto death, right? So it is a conditional reward that you can only get that reward if you're faithful unto death, right? So I agree with him on that. Gaining the crown of life in verse 10 is equivalent to the understatement in verse 11 of not being hurt by the second death. So, in a March 1991 article, Zane Hodges wrote, that, and now Zane Hodges is the guy that start, who founded the Grace Evangelical Society. Zane Hodges was also on the editorial committee for the New King James Bible, which is why they use it because he's their founder and they and he he was on the committee for the New King James. <laughs> All right, so he wrote Revelation 2:11 is not a veiled threat that the unfaithful believer may forfeit eternal life. On the contrary, it is an effective understatement whose very vagueness stirs our imaginations and our hearts with anticipation. In our two-volume commentary on the New Testament, Bob Vashendak explains Revelation 2.11 in this way. Turning to an application for all the churches, Jesus states that he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Arminian commentators err in taking this verse to mean believers who do not overcome shall be hurt by the second death. Shall be hurt by the second death. That's my position, but I'm not an Arminian, right? They're saying that only Arminians believe it. Arminians think that you could lose your salvation. Arminians don't believe in eternal security. Okay? Reformed commentators, those are Calvinists, also err by reading it this way. All true believers are, over, are overcomers and therefore will not be hurt by the second death. Now, I agree with that statement. All believers are overcomers, according to 1 John 5. But I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not Reformed. I'm not a Calvinist. So it's sort of a false left-right paradigm there. They don't think there's anyone else other than Arminians or Calvinists. But there are other Bible believers that don't agree with both, which is me. So he says, since this 
flatly contradicts so many passages regarding eternal security and justification by faith alone, it is better to understand Jesus' words as a figure of speech called litotes, which is an understatement. <laughs> they like to go back to the Greek, these guys. Litotes is an assertion that understates the reality being referred to. A biblical example of it is Hebrews 6.10, where it says, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, meaning God will definitely remember all your hard work. I don't really know what they're getting at with that. but So when Jesus says, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death, he is making an understatement. He is saying that the faithful Christian will be more than amply repaid for whatever sacrifice he may make for Christ's sake, and that his eternal experience will be so far beyond the reach of the second death that it cannot be imagined. The suffering believers in Smyrna could rest in this glorious promise given to them from the Lord himself. So that is their answer. It's an understatement. So now let me look at a similar statement they think is similar to that, which is Mark 16. This one is a real uh, example of, a, of it, I think. Mark 16, 16, 16. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So it's sort of, there's two groups here. Who is, who, he who believes and is baptized on one side, and he that believeth not. There's only two out of the three possible groups mentioned here. There's another group that doesn't mention, which is he that believeth only, non, not baptized, right? So it doesn't mention what happens if you believe and are not baptized, but we know from other verses that baptism is not required for salvation, so they are still saved, right? But it's just not mentioning it in uh, Mark 16, 16, only mentions who believes, uh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not. So it's leaving out a group, basically. So basically that's what they're saying here with Revelation 2.11. He's saying that he that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death, but it, it's not implying that if you don't overcome, then you will be hurt by the second death. That's what their opinion is, that they know that it, all it takes to, over, to not be hurt of the second death is to believe. But to me, that's more confusing than just going to 1 John 5 and saying, everyone who believes is an overcomer. So I, I still don't agree with them, but now at least I know what their position on that is. So... That's my update on the Grace Evangelical Society's overcomer doctrine, which they still cling to. But I, I told them, thanks for the explanation, but I still don't agree. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. You know, uh, It's Jesus that overcame. It's not us that overcome. It's through faith. It even says in 1 John 5, even our faith, that's what overcomes the world. So it's by faith we overcome and not by works. So... I must still disagree with them, but that's, you know, other than the pre-trib rapture, everything else they preach, I agree with pretty much. So There's, I still like them. I still listen to their podcast. I'm not all angry at them or anything like that. So I'm good. I'm still good with them. Um, he's a pastor in Dallas, in the Dallas area. He's pastoring a church, and I believe their church has four pastors. So they take turns every week, so they, so they rotate. So it's it's a multi it's it's like a biblical church.
church where it's, there's multiple elders, which is, it's, it's, I agree with that. That's nice. Uh, that's good. Um, it's uh, sort of similar how we're taking turns here, but they have four guys instead of two.